Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where it ain't over until the final credits roll. My name is Apollo, and I'm your host. So first off, apologies for being a couple of days late on getting this podcast out from when I normally would release it. Um, you know, I had some real-life things come up to take care of, and also apologies for um, the sore throat. It's a little bit late at night, and uh, kind of also related to the real-life stuff come up that kept me from recording the podcast. But that's okay, because I got to watch a little bit more movies to have a little bit more and have some more progress on the Oscars death race. So it's going to be a pretty packed episode. Uh, I made a huge jump, watched all 15 sword films this past weekend, plus a couple... Uh, feature films so we'll talk about where i stand in the oscars death race um we have a bunch of people who finished their death race so i'm going to give a bunch of shout outs and congratulations to them talk about the wga and bafta awards um that came out uh since the last episode um and uh talk about the movies that i did watch and finally i'll actually go a little bit into oscars predictions if you need a little bit of help uh with your picks um, if any of you happen to be my coworkers who are listening to this for the Oscar polls, uh, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, let's hop into it. So if you're listening to this podcast, which let's be real, if you are listening to this, uh, you probably know about this already. Um, at this late, late, this late in the States, uh, you probably know about the Oscars death face subreddit, um, and slight astronomer three's Oscar tracking sheet. So based off of that, um, I am currently at 50 films out of 53 total, having watched all 15 sorts and 35 feature films, putting me at a 92.48 completion rate. Um, on average, there are 42 fil- people have f- finished 42 films, uh, 11 and a half sorts and 30 and a half features for about an 80% completion rate. So we're almost there, people. Um, I think believe there are about 75 total uh, participants, according to that sheet. Um, and since last week when we had Somicide with their uh, completion, we've had another pe- number of people join him. So shout outs to Farewell the Farewell, Flanny, Dorky Romantic, Dice Packets, Lonely Thrones, Joss J, and Ashley Fitz from Side Astronomers' uh, website, uh, oscar.netlify, um, from the community tracking seat. Um, in addition to that, uh, there are a number of users who in various comments or threads on the subreddit have have said that they have completed. Apologies if you happen to um, be one of the people above, but we have KP of KW, um, Valerie Haller, who's actually will almost be done, but I, the reason I'm including it is so, so KP of KW notes, so noted that he actually flew all the way to Toronto to catch Corpus Christi, which is probably one of the crazier things I've heard. Um, and Valerie Haller in the same thread noted that they'll be flying to New York to finish their death race with Lemis on uh, this week and on Saturday. So in addition, uh, user Vicule, Revelator, The Burning Giraffe, 8 Race Car 8, her my own E twenty seven E E eighty one So and Sandal J H J J P Ham Ham and S Topher J J one o four eight one who also had a pretty cool um, death race story where he got the film scene theater in Iowa to do a double feature so that he could he would only have to drive once uh, you know I believe multiple hours to get to them in order to catch both Corpus Christi and Lemis I believe they were only going to do one of those films. Um, when he was able to make it, so he asked that they would be able to do a double feature, which they were able to accommodate him. So, shout out to Film Scene Theater for, for helping uh, Death Racers complete that. Um, in addition, you know, we have a number of other users uh, who are at 52 films. Uh, we have AH News, 
and Matemitsu at 52. And they're only missing one sort, which I believe should be St. Louis Superman, which is the one that is giving most people some problems if they are having problems with sorts. Um, and Astro Narcissist, Glebus and Gorbus, Senior Vijay, um, FSU Andrew, and ATL BMW are at 52 out of 53. Um, I believe all but Astro Narcissist, probably, I think, all missing Corpus Christi, though, you know, Originally, I know people were expecting the the UK uh, stream to come out uh, on the seventh, um, which is the day after this podcast comes out. But someone was able to find a screener that went online, um, and Astronauts is missing another film. So I'm not sure exactly which ones they're missing. They're just missing one feature film. So now let's move on to the awards. Um, and actually, some of the more important awards of the season actually came out uh, since the last podcast. But you know, working in order. Um, First up, we have the Visual Effects Society Awards. Um, I believe I was actually recording as these were going on last week, so I didn't have the results then. Um, but what we do have is, um, so it turns out the VES Society has three different, I guess, outstanding visual awards. Um, the main one, so outstanding visual effects for a photoreal feature goes to The Lion King. Um, outstanding supporting visual effects goes to The Irishman. Um, an outstanding visual effects and animated feature goes to The Missing Link. Um, so these are, you know, three three films that, you know, are, uh, well, Missing Link isn't really in contention for um, best visual effects, but there, that this may help it actually for um, best animated feature. Um, so really, The Lion King and Irishman, I guess, get a little bit of a boost here for that. Um, though we'll talk again later about where where it kind of stands in, in the whole thing, given all the other awards. So um, next up, we have the ADG or Art Director Guild Awards. Um, these tend to correlate somewhat, um, I believe, with the P- production award for the Oscars. I don't know the exact numbers on, on, on correlation over the past several years. Um, but what, what we do have um, in the ADG award for fantasy film goes to Avengers Endgame. Um, which I'm going to count this under visual effects uh, as a little bit boost for them there. Um, contemporary film goes to Parasite, um, which is super exciting. And then for animated film, which only actually started in uh, 2017, um, goes to Toy Story 4. Um, so again, um, for some of the more for the more technical awards, this could you know sway some people. I think Parasite getting this is is pretty big, um, and actually will will help you know even though PGA is presumably going to either 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, this could help Parasite um, with their with their bid for more Oscars. Um, next up, the big ones are the WGA awards. Now this is a bit of an asterisk here because the WGA awards uh, do not include Quentin Tarantino due to some feud dispute between the guild and that uh, director writer. Um, so anything, so this is so in adapted screenplay we had uh, Paris um, Jojo Rabbit uh, receiving the award, which actually is huge. It actually kind of boosted over uh, Little Woman, who had kind of the early lead on on adapted screenplay. Um, and then for original screenplay, this would be where Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, would have been, you know, potentially uh, do well here. But without them eligible, Parasite ended up taking uh, original screenplay here. Um, so not really a good analog since the 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 big juggernaut once uh, isn't there, um, but still also helps you know Parasite's profile overall. Um, 
And finally, we have the BAFTA Awards, which are kind of like the last big holistic awards, you know, between the Golden Globes and the critics. Um, there are the number of Guild Awards that really only focus on this specific individual award. BAFTA is kind of the last award right before the Oscars that kind of has uh, films for most categories. So just going down the line, um, Best Picture went to 1917. Um, so a lot of people made out with this that this is probably where 1917 really takes the lead in the discussions for Best Picture. Um, I'm a bit of a different mind, actually, because since, yes, they have a different category for Best British Film, I think the fact that 1917, you know, BAFTA is for the British uh, British Actors and, and Film and Television Awards, um, with a, I presume a, a British voting bloc, um, they're going to be biased toward a film that is about by a British director with British actors on a British topic with British characters on the British front lines in, uh, in World War One. so... Um, this would have been huge if someone other than 1917 had won, but um, I don't think this gives too much of a signal um, beyond what we already knew. Um, Best Director went to 1917 as well uh, for this, kind of the same reasons there. People were kind of hoping for a Parasite upset, but uh, wasn't going to really hold my breath for that. Actors and supporting actresses, uh, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, basically what we've seen literally all... Uh, all the same uh, uh, awards so season, Joker, Judy, Marriage Story, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, original screenplay, Parasite also here beats Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It actually gives it more credence that Parasite might actually be a strong contender for original screenplay. We'll see if that carries over, um, but this is good times for Parasite. And Jojo Rabbit also took home adapted screenplay similar to the WGA Award. So um, this, again, kind of bolsters them while weakening uh, Little Woman. Animated, we have, you know, the animated race is probably one of the most interesting we've had in in multiple past years where um, for a lot of awards, Toy Story 4, you know, Critics' Choice um, and a bunch of the Guild Awards, Toy Story took. But for the Annie Awards, um, we have Klaus and, and the, the actual animated, um, you know, uh, Film Awards, um, Society Awards, they, they went to Klaus, um, or Klaus, which is also what BAFTA went with. Um, so that's pretty interesting that they chose not to go with the Toy Story 4. And on top of that, Missing Link is getting love from the Golden Globes and with, with a bit of an early lead there. So all three of these films are really in contention. I think Toy Story 4 still is kind of in the lead overall just because of name recognition and the way that the Oscars kind of treat animated as a joke. But there is a glimmer of the hope that uh, Klaus uh, or Missing Link will come through. Um, international film, Parasite, um, as always. Um, best documentary um, goes to For Sama, though I believe this might have been British documentary. I don't have the exact description in front of me, so that might have been uh, relevant there. Uh, you know, since obviously American Factory wouldn't be eligible for that. Um, let's see. Uh, original best score goes to Joker. Uh, not a big surprise there. Um, sound, production, and cinematography all went to 1917. Um, Bombshell won Best Makeup. Little Woman won Costume, um, which, you know, kind of varied from the Costume Design Awards, which went to Jojo Rabbit. So this is kind of a 50-50 here for them. Uh, editing goes to Ford versus Ferrari, uh, which is interesting because the ACE, the Editing Guild, did not go with Ford versus Ferrari. They went between Parasite and Jojo Rabbit. Um... And then uh, 1971 visual effects, uh, which is pretty interesting as well. Um, though not though, um, I, I don't think they're necessarily the strongest there. But again, the British bias may be sewing. So we'll come back to the awards overall for the last part of the episode where I talk about my Oscar predictions. 
Um, but for now, let's hop over to talking about the actual films I watched this week. So right after I recorded, uh, I was able to, through a kind soul, um, be able to find the streamer for The Cave, uh, which I watched on January 29th. Um, and this is nominated for uh, Best Documentary. Um, and actually is what got me to finish the category. So The Cave is actually very similar to Forsama, Forsama um, where it kind of is embedded within the Syrian civil war. Um, even kind of the same type of characters where there is um, a doctor, a hospital system in one of the cities uh, being bombed by the regime um, and their struggles to cope with, um, you know, what's going on uh, around them. Um, and, you know, the spoilers, they, they it ends with them getting out once the bombing gets too close to them and, and they have to choose to essentially um, flee. But, you know, kind of looking back, they did all they could they could with their, re- with their limited resources. This does have a bit of a spin on it where the main kind of the protagonist of the documentary who they follow is a female doctor. Um, and so she gets, you know, uh, a bunch of sexism from from patients um, who, who aren't as comfortable with that and also just thinking about how they're placed in society at, in a... In a in a patriarchal society and and them trying to move ahead um i will say i probably preferred uh for sama a little bit better here just because for me um i really like the the first person perspective that for sama gave the the inner dialogue of the director this really had like a singular vision that one had a singular vision this one is like a crew that followed them around but um, the story didn't quite feel as personal as a result. I think maybe something I really enjoy from documentary where you can really get in the head almost, um, but also in a way without like talking heads, right? Which I don't think any of the documentaries here did. So um, yeah, that's uh, The Cave. Uh, and then next up we have, so I watched 15 sorts over Super Bowl weekend um, at the IFC Center. Hashtag please sponsor me, IFC Center. Um Seriously, uh, if you were lucky enough to get any of these sorts, these, this is the way that I'm able to get watch St. Louis Superman, which a lot of people were having trouble with finding, uh, especially out of the country. Apologies to you, fellow Death Racers. Um, but yeah, so just kind of hopping into it. On February 1st, uh, the Saturday, I went ahead and watched the Swords programs. This was split at the IFC into two separate Swords programs, one, um, two, and three. Um so first, uh, I watched um, the program with three. Uh, so that started with In the Absence, a documentary about um, the Jeju Korean ferry um, crisis. Um, Walk Run Cha Cha, a documentary about uh, this couple who uh, grew up in Vietnam and were separated for a while due to the Vietnam War and how they found their way together um, here in the States and are, and are enjoying life together through Cha Cha dance classes. Um, St. Louis Superman, which follows a Missouri state representative who was an activist um, at the Ferguson uh, demonstrations and his efforts to, you know, uh, his, his, his relationship with his community after becoming a politician um, and his efforts to, to make change in his community. Um, Life Overtakes Me, um, which is a documentary from Netflix about um, 
uh, refugees from the Middle, uh, I believe, the Middle East, um, who come to Sweden and Nordic countries, and their children undergo something called resignation syndrome, where they basically go into a coma due to not feeling welcome in their new host countries. Um, something that I never knew existed. And finally, learning to skateboard in a war zone, especially if you're a girl, um, which is about Skatistan, which is a school in Afghanistan. Um, which, you know, after the Taliban regime fell, basically was uh, an education outlet for uh, young young people in Afghanistan, again, sp especially if they were women, and uh, how they use skateboarding as part of their curriculum, really, um, to, to better the lives of these children. So of these, um, I will say, so just kind of giving a, a brief review of each, I think in the absence really reminded me a lot of the movie Sin Godzilla, um, which was Hideaki Anno's film uh, using Godzilla as a critique on the uh, response of the Japanese government to the, uh, the, the earthquakes and typhoons that knocked out the nuclear plants uh, several years ago. Um, kind of the response of the Korean government to this crisis, or really the lack thereof and the mismanagement of that crisis, um, Really reminded me of that Hideaki Anno film, Zimbabwe. It's one of my, which is a really great film. I definitely recommend you check that one out. Um, Walk One Chacha, I think, we're from the New York Times. As someone who's really involved in Asian and Asian American uh, issues here in the States, uh, the, the idea of how these these uh, individuals find a new community here in the States after, after that really was something I could relate to. I really enjoyed the sequence at the end where they, you know, blend, like they have. They they do the the dance that they're practicing and and that you see them training for, um, that was really beautiful. You know, just a bit of filmmaking in general, not just documentary. Um, Saint Louis Superman was super powerful and super touching. And I think, you know, really showing like the multiple facets of this state representative's life. I really enjoyed the sequence where he goes into a battle rap to kind of defend the way he goes about it, and his and also the sequences that showcase his relationship with his kid. Or his children. Uh, Life overtakes me. Probably was one of my the least favorite of the of them all. Um, it was uh, again. I think I really enjoyed it in that it was a super interesting topic. I had no idea existed out there, and that's kind of what documents are meant to do to educate you, um, and and really I guess we're able to help you get empathized with the with the audience. But it's not something that I would definitely want to. I wouldn't want to go back and watch again. Um, and finally, learning to skateboard I think has the most positive. You know, hopeful message. I think of like the potential future of these kids. I will say definitely, I was not a skate kid growing up, and it definitely made me want to go out, buy a pair of vans, buy a board, and find a place to to learn how to do a kickflip, uh, and on uh, in the street. So, um, yeah. Uh, next up on February second, I hopped over to IFC and watched the animated shorts, um, which were a five uh, film segment plus they had a couple of additional animated films which I won't talk about here because this episode's going to go on long enough as is um, so we'll start it off with Hair Love um, so in the animated film I believe about uh, a girl who uh, uh, African American black girl who you know if you know anyth if you know anything about uh, hair culture you know that you know it's a big deal um, and, and kind of her trying to um, for special reasons, I'm not going to spoil because I really think if you this is available online, if you have a chance to check this out, definitely go check it out. But the ability to her uh, quest to like try to get her hair to, to fix, I think, and then her dad getting roped into it, um, 
the twist at the end of the film, I think, really like it. it think it thinks you're setting it up for one thing, um, you know, but then it, it twists at the end, and that it's like a kind of emotional gut punch, which works really well. And I think I really appreciate it. I I love the way that they animated the, um, they animated her hair and and fighting with her dad. Um, next up, we have daughter, um, which I believe is from for a sec, um, film. Uh, and what's interesting here is this one actually made use of what I believe was stop motion um, animation. At least it looked that way. It's definitely a mixed media form of, of animation. Um, this was probably the one I liked the least, um, just because. Um, I mean, I could get at the story was essentially the daughter's relationship with her father growing up over time, but uh, something about the, the the method of stop motion that they use, which and and kind of the the difficulty I guess in, in figuring out like what it meant uh, story wise um, and like what 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 am I exactly supposed to take away from it I didn't really hit land for me unfortunately um, except we have sister um, which is a film about the one child policy and a brother and a Chinese boy's relationship with his sister under the one child policy um, this is also a mixed media sort of uh, animated film primarily using cloth and felt. Um, which I think made for some really interesting visuals. Um, so that creativity there, I definitely definitely appreciate. Um, I think the structure probably wasn't the strongest on this film um, overall um, compared to the others, um, but I definitely love the visuals here. Um, next up, we had Memorable. I believe this is a French film um, about a painter who is going through a neurological degenerative disease. Um, honestly, this one probably was my favorite. Uh, of all of them because of the way, again, another mixed media films where they use the medium of paint um, to really hone in and and kind of show the, the, the degeneracy of this guy's disease in a way that you wouldn't be able to in a real life. I think, you know, all like I think uh, Sister and, and Memorable, I think, did the best of use, making the use of the medium they did to show things that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Um, and memorable, especially the last segment where he's dancing with his wife, um, who he's he's slowly losing his his memory of. Um, the way he portrays her, I think, is just was super super striking. I think. Um, and finally, we have Kitbull, which is you know uh, one of the Pixar uh, spark sorts. Um, so those are the sorts that the Pixar studios would animators would create with Pixar support maybe exploring themes that were a little bit darker, a little bit more mature. Um, so this one deals with um, a stray kitten who makes friends with a pit bull. Um, if you know about pit bulls in the States, they're often abused or, or mistreated um, and kind of them and them developing friendship. This one honestly was probably the one that was most geared toward children and kind of where the whole idea of like, oh, it's animated should be for kids kind of comes from, even if it did have a little bit of like a, like a little bit more intensity due to the abuse of the um the the pit bull is still you know the most cutesy one i think um but yeah still enjoyable and again there are other films here um uh which um yeah which which kind of help round out the the since since the animated sorts tend to be the shortest ones um and finally also on february 2nd i watched all of the live animated sorts um so in order we have a sister um which is a film about a 911 uh, dispatcher, though I think it might have been France, whatever the equivalent is in France, a 911 dispatcher responding to someone calling in the car. Um, kind of the twist here is that the main, the the person calling from the car is has to kind of talk in a way 
that the person who's driving the car who she's calling about doesn't pick up that she that she's calling the the police so this was a really tense really stressful film honestly um but i think that tension kind of shows how it's well done i think that's kind of the biggest strength of this film um next up we have brotherhood uh which i think is about a family um i think it was tunisia um forgive me if i get the the country wrong where one of the brothers goes to fight for isis um in the middle east and it's about his homecoming with what they think is his bride who's like a 14 year old girl and his father and their relationship with the father the, the, the son's relationship with his father his mother his brothers um and and kind of what they discover you know about what he's been up to while you know fighting over there um this one was pretty again also another fairly intense film um and and honestly a bit of a downer toward the end um so i'm not quite sure what to take away from from it i guess but um yeah it was, it was definitely really well done. Um, I, 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 these films are kind of hard to give a critique for, but yeah, Brotherhood was was one that I'm glad I saw, but, but I definitely wouldn't watch again. One I would actually watch again and actually and actively recommending people who aren't even doing the death race to check out was The Neighbor's Window. Um, uh, if not for NAFTA Football Club, this would have been my my favorite, my most enjoyable, enjoyed film from this segment. Um, basically, you know, very New York thing. Uh, this family in Brooklyn, um, you know, a mom and dad and their children. The parents uh, one day realize that the neighbors across the their street um, uh, have moved in, and you know, it's a it's a young couple, very much in love. Which, uh, if you live in New York apartments with thin walls, you kind of get to know your neighbors very well. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, yeah, and kind of the idea of this perspective and. It's almost being a voyeur and the other other person's life, but I'm thinking about it like a window, a mirror goes, a window goes two ways, right? Um, and kind of that having that perspective on what might look like someone's perfect life and what your life looks like uh, in response to that. So, neighbor's window definitely one I strongly recommend you check out. Um, Sevilla uh, is a film about orphans who are mistreated. Uh, I believe it was in Guatemala. It's based on the true life events where. Um, these orphan girls, you know, horribly died in a in in an orphanage um, with suspicion of foul play and kind of the imagining, I guess, of the filmmakers of what led up to that. Basically, super depressing. Um, the young actors and actresses, who I believe, are all orphans themselves from another orphanage uh, in the region, they did a phenomenal job here. Um, but yeah, one that's super. Like, I don't I don't want to watch this one again. Um, and finally, Nafta Football Club. Um, Set in the Middle East near Algiers, where a young boy and his brother um, come across uh, some illicit goods. Basically, um, how it ties to the football club, or in, in you know, we're, like I'm American, so football normally, especially since I was watching this on Super Bowl, means you know American football. But you know, in this case, soccer, um, kind of that relationship and how how football comes. I really don't want to spoil the ending. But National Football was super amazing. Um, also, always make sure your camels are listening to the right music when you send them off. I'll leave it at that. Um, all right. So those were the the 15 sword films. Um, and then following up to that, uh, the past couple of days, I've been mopping up the rest of the, the, the categories. So I finished international films by getting the early screener leaked. That was leaked of Corpus Christi from Poland. Um, this was on February 4th. 
and wow, what a film. Um, you know, this kind of goes along, pairs nicely almost with um, The Two Popes, which has been nominated for a bunch of other awards as well, adapted screenplay, um, the both acting awards, act lead and, and supporting. Um, kind of the critique on religion and what religion means to an to people in their life and how religion can be misused, um, how religion can be misappropriated or, you know, the idea of what does it mean to be religious, right? And different forms of religion, um, some more twisted than the others. And I think this is a film that's going to stick with me for a long time. I'm not quite sure what the ending means if you've seen it. Um, but, you know, this would be, I think, up there alongside Pain and Glory for probably vying for the number two spot for me behind um, behind Parasite. I mean, unfortunately, frankly, I don't think many of the the, the Academy is going to have seen this to be able to vote on it. But, you know, definitely if you're lucky enough to be able to get Corpus Christi um, and you're able to get to an R-rated movie, this is definitely one to check out. Um, so that's Corpus Christi from Poland. Um, next up... We have Maleficent 2, which I got actually on Amazon uh, Prime. I rented it. Um, did not want the mouse coming and knocking down my door. Um, uh, so this one is nominated for Best uh, Hair and Makeup, um, which, okay, in that context, I guess the hair and makeup on Angelina Jolie was, I guess, impressive, but really, like, she has crazy cheekbones as is, so how much hair and makeup did they need to do? The Flying Dark Fae also, I guess, also did. But honestly, this felt even closer to, like, a visual effects, and those honestly weren't that good. I don't know. This was not a good film. I gave it a one out of five stars on Letterboxd. Um, I didn't see the first one. You know, this was definitely one that I wish Amazon had a way to increase the playback speed, so I just got it over with quicker. Um, next up, and then finally, uh, also on February 5th, uh, I watched Judy. Um, which is the one nominated for Best Actress for Renee Zellsweger playing titular Judy Garland, um, and also Hair and Makeup, um, which I guess for her, you know, I guess these these biopic-type uh, films um, go go into, uh, tend, tend, tend to have hair and makeup. So in any case, um, this is one that's actually getting, you know, has won all the awards for Best Lead Actress. And thinking about it, looking at the competition in the categories, I can see why. Um, you know, you're looking at... Uh, I haven't seen Harriet yet, yet. That's going to be one I'm going to have to watch over the next couple of days. Um, so I can't comment there. But Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, she was one of two lead actors. Um, Sersa Ronan for Little Woman, she was one of... You know, I mean, she was the lead. But, you know, that film is so much more because of the... Uh, Act of the adapted screenplay, the directing, hashtag Gregor was snubbed, um, and all of the supporting actresses, um, uh, and then uh, Charlie Theron in Bombshell. Uh, I mean, I guess he was the lead, but honestly, she really split kind of, you know, I, I think Margot Robbie, even if she's a supporting actress, was just as much of a lead, I think, as as Charlie Theron was. So really, Renee Zellsweger, the film, whole film of Judy relate, revolves around her. If you look at the main actor awards, um, this is kind of the same thing, right? And then Nia Banderas, um, really, like, the film, like, he definitely drives that film, I think, and is probably one of my second choices for best actor because of that. Um, 
Leo, you know, pay like the whole film for Once Upon a Time in the Hollywood. Leo and Ghost is just one part of that of what makes that film great. Adam Driver again, he's opposite um, Scarlett Johansson, and Jonathan Price, you know, is opposite Anthony Hopkins. So it's that relationship. But really, the fact and this is this goes why I think Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellweger are in the lead for these respective films. Partly, again, they were great films. Not to take away from that, but also the fact that these films are about a single titular character who is frankly a tortured or like some would say artistic soul or whatever. Um, you know, Arthur Fleck with his attempts at comedy, uh, and when they as well, and, and Judy Garland with her singing, the struggles they face with mental illness, um, substance abuse, so on and so forth. Um, and the way that the characters portray that, especially in relation to the horrible childhood that both these characters grew up with which they're not showing themselves undergoing but they're showing the effects of that i think that's why these two films and you know i if if renee zellsweger wins which he probably will well deserved um i'll be honest this was a pretty tough film to watch just because like she does not make judy garland a very likable or um character you could feel real empathy. I guess you could feel some degree of empathy, but not one I'm really... I never felt myself rooting for her, which Joaquin Phoenix on his head, even though Joker's a fucked up character who does terrible things, like, you can kind of see where he's coming from. In some cases, you are rooting for him to, like, you know, get out of where he is. So, you know, props to Renee Zellsweger for a job well done. She definitely carried this film on her back and made it what it was. Um, okay, so that's all the films I have watched. What I do have left, well, I'm at 50 out of 53, so doing the math, I only have three films left. Um, Harriet for Actress and Best Original Song, um, Richard Jewell for Best Supporting Actress, and Sai Breakthrough for Best Original Song. Um, because I'm going to be able to actually complete the Death Watch, I will probably end up watching Breakthrough. I have it on HBO, on Amazon, so I don't know if there's a way for me to speed through it maybe but otherwise i'll just put something on in the background while i'm doing it because frankly i'm not looking forward to breakthrough all right let's move on to the last segment and talk about uh oscar predictions all right so i'm not gonna go through all the nominees uh in each fill in each category and go over what i think their chances are i'll just talk about who i think will probably win based off of uh primarily um the Guild Awards that have happened up to this point, if we have that information, or if not, you know, going off of the odds uh, from goldderby.com. Um, and, and, and if, you know, my opinion on what I think is the best film in that particular category was, I'll note it as, you know, my prediction is this, but my preference is something else. And I'll also mention some honorable mentions who I would not be surprised to come from behind and, and actually take it. So I'll do this in order, uh, reverse order from what uh, is in Slide Astronomy 3's Oscar tracking seat. Um, so first up, we have animated short film. Um, I think Hair Love, according to the odds, is probably in the lead for this one. Um, so, you know, that'll be my prediction for what's going to win. What I prefer would win, I think, is memorable. Again, I kind of got went on about why I think that is. So I'm not going to repeat myself there. But, yeah, prediction, hair love, uh, preference, uh, memorable. Um, for live action sorts, I believe, depending on which type, which odds you're looking at, goldderby.com, I think the prediction is most safe going to be Brotherhood, um, you know, which kind of makes sense, like a dark topic. Um, 
not not too dark like Sevilla was, and there was like definitely a narrative, bit of a narrative arc to it. Um, some people, I think, is some depending on what what you're looking at. I think there are some cases where it's pretty close with Neighbors Window, which is actually my preference uh, for what uh, ends up winning. Because um, I think that that narrative there. Um, without being super, super depressing, which I think Oscars tends to go for, um, is what it is one that that's better you can you can you can take away. But yeah, that's not one of them super interest like uh, that I wish would win. And you know, shout out to Nefta Football Club for being my favorite in the category. Um even though I would I, I it can be my favorite, but I would prefer neighbors window to win. Um documentary sort, um I think learning my my prediction and my preference is learning to skateboard in the war zone. I think kind of hits all of the best spots where it it is hopeful um, and also you know kids are super cute um, to watch. Um, it's it's unique. Like you're learning something that you didn't really knew existed. Um, kind of hits all of those things um, and kind of relates to the larger world. I will say honorable mention. I wouldn't be surprised if Saint Louis Superman somehow comes around, especially if the Oscar really is more serious about rewarding diversity um, and and being more politically relevant, um, at least with regard to the states. But um, I I would probably put my money on learning to skateboard in a war zone. Next up, we have the two sound categories, sound editing and sound mixing, which I'm just going to talk about uh, as if they were one category because they're mostly overlapping here. So my prediction here is 1917 is going to win. Um, That is primarily off of Gold Derby Awards as well as the... um, the sound, the, the the award so far. So 1917 won the um, Mosin Picture Sound Editing Awards um, and also the BAFTA for Best Sound, uh, which BAFTA is kind of a better representative of the Oscar voting body as large. And frankly, the Oscar voting body doesn't really know what sound editing and sound mixing is, what the difference is. Um, my preference for winning is actually Ford versus Ferrari, who they won... Um, also, uh, Mosin Picture Sound Editing, which I think MPSE has like four awards for like specific kinds of sound. So, you know, I think one's for Foley, one's for Dialogue, one's for Sound Effects or whatever. So, um, I think, you know, Ford vs. Ferrari and 1990 were both awarded there. And within the Cinema Audio Society Awards, Ford vs. Ferrari won that one. Um, Again, I prefer Ford vs. Ferrari because I feel that the sound of the car is a much more crucial element to the storytelling of Ford vs. Ferrari than the Battle of Sounds War to 1917. So that's why that's my preference for it to win. Um, frankly, if they split the two awards, I wouldn't be too upset. Um, and yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Ad Astra, Star Wars, they're not good, really going to get anything here. Um, but yeah, I think that's the way that goes there. Um for editing, uh, my prediction is that Ford versus Ferrari will also will will take this one. Um, so I believe that it won the BAFTA award for um, for editing, um, which I think it kind of I think like the editing in the car chase sequences are amazing. They definitely add to the storytelling of the car chase sequences. I think overall, as a whole, the film, you know, the non-car chase sequences weren't quite as edited as tightly. Um, there is something I think people are saying, you know, so looking at the um, the uh, uh, the editing award, Guild Awards, um, Parasite won for um, 
drama and Jojo Rabbit won for comedy. Um, so as a comedy, timing is everything. So I think the editing of that, especially some of the, you know, using the editing to help with the comedy in Jojo Rabbit is super good. I think that's why it might have a chance. But and, and they're my honorable mention, I guess. But my preference would be Parasite. And there are a couple of good... Uh, there's a couple of... Uh, of, of video essays on YouTube that kind of breaks down some of the sequences in Parasite and how the editing there is very... The word people use is economical. It has much fewer cuts in the over the course of the film. It's a fairly long film um, than the standard. I believe it's something like 900-something versus the average 1,200 cuts. Um, so very economical cuts. The way the cuts are flow together is super tight character building and plot points and plot and moving the plot along without anything being extraneous. So I really want Parasite to win. That's my strong preference here. Probably going to be Ford versus Ferrari, but I'd, I'd be happy to be wrong if Parasite wins. Uh, next up, we have uh, visual effects. Um, so Critics' Choice gave it to Avengers. The SAG Awards for Stunt went to Avengers. The Art Directors Guild Award, um, you know, for, for design went to uh, Avengers. But... Uh, the Visual Effects Award Guild gave it to Lion King uh, and and Irisman, um, and then BAFTA gave it to 1917. So this one's all over the place. Um, my gut says that the prediction is going to go to Avengers, um, partly I think because people somehow will probably want to honor Avengers. It kind of is the typical. Um, it kind of is the typical. Um, Vi like visual of uh visual effects whether they the big blockbuster sequence film i think avengers being a historic film in terms of box office you know box office may i think help you know everyone's definitely seen that in all of the the sequences uh special effects wise that come in there um i will say that i would not be surprised if honorable mention wise uh the irisman ticket um the the aging stuff there is actually pretty impressive uh if if the academy takes the time to like understand the implications of of being able to do the visual effects live, I don't know if everyone in the academy will. The, the visual effects um, community definitely will. I mean, that's why they gave it the award. Um, I think, unfortunately, Lion King. I think, honestly, I think the visual effects of making it like realistic animals, while impressive, really took away from the storytelling element of what um, the animated classic used to be able to do with the faces and stuff being able to stretch and shrink that so that's why i don't think uh, lion king is going to take that um, or should take that next up production design um so production design um i think is currently between once upon a time in hollywood and 1917 um critics choice gave it to once upon a time in hollywood um the production guild award which is also a good precursor for the best picture in general um and because they make it a large number, it went to 1917. The Art Director Guild went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and BAFTA, which is British, went to 1917. So pretty even split. Um, Parasite also got a nod from the Art Director Guild Award, and while I will say that, you know, I'm probably... I'll, I'll go ahead and say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my prediction for who's going to win. Parasite is my preference, and I would not have the honorable mention to 1917 not being surprised if they end up taking it away from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, next up uh, is hair and makeup. Um, I believe all the awards for this have gone to Bombshell, and I pretty much agree. There's nothing really here that's, you know, replication of what 
the actual real life people look like here is was insane. So you know, at least they'll get an Oscar for that um, in the in the lines of Suicide Squad. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, best costume, I think, is a little bit up in the air. It's between Jojo Rabbit, uh, who won it for the Costume Designer Guild Award, but Little Woman, who kind of represents a more wider audience. Um, unfortunately, I think Little Woman is going to get snubbed uh, at most of the other Oscars it's kind of in contention for. So I think people will definitely try to make sure that it wins this one for the period pieces, um, which I think, you know, are fair. I think that the the the, the, the costumes here really add, especially to the, the parallel timeline structure of being able to tell when you're in what story and just helping the, the settings and the mood of each of each scene, I think. So um, my... My prediction here will be Little Woman, um, and, and I think that, that's well-deserved. Um, cinematography, everyone's been giving it to 1917, no surprise. I would give it there, too. Roger Deakins is a god. Um, so, moving on. Um, we have Best Documentary Feature. So, I think my prediction is going to be American Factory. Um, it won the Director Guild Award for Best uh, so the, the weird part here is that like a lot of documentaries are not uh, like the documentary awards don't have all of the candidates. It's not really like an easy way to gut judge. And frankly, a lot of documentary awards went to Apollo Eleven, which is my pick for for the film of the year. That sort of got nominated but did not. So Apollo Eleven sort of won the Oscar here. But in lieu of that, I think American Factory will, um, if it's a largely American voting block. Um, and you know, being associated with the Obamas, I think will 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 help it out. Um, I will say, for Sama is probably my my pick for what I would have liked to win it. I think of all of the documentaries uh, that were nominated, it probably I think did the best. Um, Honey, that I know people are 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 kind of pushing for, but. I really enjoyed like the the perspective that Forsama. I, I I forgot to mention this last week when I was recording the episode. Forsama is kind of the most intense baby videos of all time. So um, yeah. Uh, next up, animated features. So, like I said, this is like the most contentious one of the year so far. Um, Toy Story Four won at Critics Choice at the Editing Awards, the Production Guild Awards, Sound Awards, Cinema Audio Society Awards, and the Art Director Guild Awards. So a lot of technical um, went there. But Missing Link won it for Golden Globes, uh, and then Klaus won it for the Animated Awards and the BAFTA Awards. I Lost My Body also got um, uh, won at the Annie Awards, but for indie films. So I think Klaus is kind of like a in a better spot for it, especially being distributed by Netflix. So that does that is a strike against Klaus that it is Netflix, and for whatever reason, I guess the Academy doesn't like Netflix. Um, so who knows? I mean. My gut says I think if you're putting that money on it, probably Toy Story 4. Um, but I would prefer, honestly, either of Klaus or Missing Link. So we'll see there. Um, score, um, you know, some people are, are hoping that 1917 Thomas Newman gets it for all his work he's done up to this point even. Um, but really, you know, Joker is definitely getting uh, this it here. It's wanted for all the awards up to this point. So... Um, props to Joker, I think, for forgetting that. I think there's some there's some video essays I found online about how the score really helped helped uh, with how it makes the story what it is. Um, next up, original song. Um, all the awards thus far: um, the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice. Um, both went to um, 
Rocket Man's um, "I'm Gonna Start Loving Me," I think is what it's called. Uh, yeah, "I'm Gonna Love Me Again." Sorry, um, I have only seen three of the five films here. <laughs> this is one of the categories I still need to complete. Um, I will say I've heard that "I'm Standing with You" from Breakthrough, which I'm not looking forward to watching. Um, the apparently the sweet the songwriter for that has been some people have feels he's been doing Oscar for a long time, so maybe that ends up winning the Oscar there, but really, I mean, with, I really would not like one breakthrough to get a Oscar, and even if it's for original song, and frankly, like, Elton John, uh, it kind of makes Taron Egerton, like, Rocket Man kind of got snubbed at this Oscar, they still have been in for costume, they still have been in potentially for best actor, um, and if not, at the very least, I think that, you know, they should win here for um, best song at the very least. Um, international um, Parasite is by and far away the the favorite to win this one. It's if if only because some people are saying that Parasite will not get best picture, and people will definitely want to make sure it gets honored for international film. I don't like that mentality, but yes, I will take the win for, for best international film here. I will say uh, Pain and Glory was excellent. And in any other year, I think it probably would have won uh, for best best international. But alas, um, this is Parasite's coronation in that category. Original screenplay is the, another interesting one, um, where again the awards thus far. Uh, well, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino being a Hollywood favorite, won at the Golden Globes and at the Critics' Choice. The fact that he's still in conversation even after not being nominated by the Writing Guilds Award. Uh, the the writers guild is a testament to that to that screenplay itself, um, and Parasite, as noted before, won WGA and BAFTA. So there were fifty fifty on guild awards. Um, yeah, I mean, I think original screenplay. If so, right as of right now, Tarantino and and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would go to would in my estimation get um, the. Production Guild Award and Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt, um, and you know I doubt at this point it's probably he's probably not in the running for director, not in the running for Best Picture. So maybe they'll try to honor him here, this film here, um, for Best Original Screenplay. That said, you know Bong Joon Ho and Parasite is you know growing, growing in popularity, and I really would prefer to see um, prefer to see Parasite take this one. Um, Adapted screenplay, um, I believe it started off actually being a little woman uh, at the Critics' Choice, but then at the Writing Guild Awards and BAFTA, Jojo Rabbit took it. Um, I really liked Little Woman's uh, adapted screenplay, the way that they retook the same story again and twisted it in a way that added new value to it. Um, that was really clever of Gregory to do that. I really wish that's the you know my 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 prediction will be Jojo Rabbit based on how things are going. Um, I don't think it's yeah. I mean it's also nominated for Best Picture and not not going to win it. So you know I think people might maybe say okay like I think this might be where Jojo Rabbit has the best chance at picking up a Oscar. People want to honor that, but Little Woman should get this. I think preference like uh, my preference wise, but prediction Jojo Rabbit. Uh, next up, directing. Uh, 
This is probably going to go to Sam Mendes for uh, 1917. Golden Globes. Uh, he split. He sailed with Bong Joon-ho at the Critics' Choice. He won the Director Guild Award. He won the BAFTA Best Director Award. This is probably going to be Sam Mendes. That said, again, Bong Joon-ho is one that people really want to win. So maybe people will put 1917 as Best Picture Sam, and then Bong Joon-ho here. Or maybe it'll go the other way around. People will definitely make sure they put... Uh, Sam Mendes here for Best Director if they're voting for a Parasite for um, Best Picture, which I hope is the case. Um, and Sam, by, to be clear, Sam Mendes definitely deserves it if he does win it. Um, so also, I think, deserves it a, a, a lot. Um, the last four before Best Picture are the Acting Awards, which frankly are pretty boring at this point. Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG Awards, BAFTA Awards have all been identical with Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Winnezel Swagger for support for Actress, uh, Brad Pitt for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, and Laura Dern for Marriage Stories Only uh, win for the night uh, in Supporting Actress. <sighs> so, you know, rather, to make it a little bit more interesting, I'll talk about who I would like... I, I think actually for all of these categories, I prefer somebody else. Um, well, almost all of them. So for uh, supporting actress, um, I'll go ahead and say I prefer either ScarJo or Florence Pugh. Probably Florence Pugh actually should win this one, um, or or should be in contention for this one. I think more than more than she is. Laura Dern, I think, is getting it for being in a lot of different things, including Little Women, um, but. Uh, I think, based on what I've heard of how people perceive, you know, Amy Mars, who she plays in, um, in, in like how how she changes people's perception on that character, even after she's been done over and over again, I think it's super powerful, and I love like the emotion that um, that that Florence played put into the role. I think super strong. So that that would be my preference there. Um, supporting actor. Um, I can definitely see the appeal of, of Cliff Booth and, and Brad Pitt, but I really wish that, you know, there was more of a chance for um, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, who he's crucial to that story. Yes, he doesn't serve as much, but he's so crucial to making that story work. Um, maybe there's something about, like, the fact that, oh, it's Tom Hanks, so you're kind of lost and you don't really, you kind of see him as Tom Hanks and not necessarily as Mr. Rogers, but I I really enjoyed Tom. I wish he, I wish he would, you know, get supporting actor, um, for lead actress, um, this is going to Renee Zellsberg. I kind of talked about that before. Um, and I can see why people, again, I see why people are going for her to, to win this one. I really would have liked to see Cersei Ronan um, end up taking this one, if at all possible. Not happening, but um, her, I really I really enjoyed it. And, you know, definitely get, wish Little Woman was getting a little bit more love here. Um, again, also, Aquafina should have been nominated for this one, but you know, I'm gonna let that one slide. Um, I can't say anything about about uh, Harriet. Um, I don't think I don't think um, you know that the Charlie Theron, as amazing as he was, is in this category as great. Um, so interestingly, so I'll I'll talk about Scarlett Johansson and Marriage Story here, also in relation to Best Actor because her and Adam Driver together, if there was like a couple. Like award, I guess it was just hard to do because like not ev- not every film is going to have both the best actor and best actress, but them working with each other, I think as a unit is but honestly stronger than than some than some of the, than, than some of the other uh, contenders here, right? Maybe it's not fair, but 
they really work because they're working off of each other. Um, and so I think that's why, like, I would say Anthony, like, Adam Driver, um, you know, I, I, I will say that Joaquin Phoenix is my pick and preference uh, and prediction for best actor. But, you know, I want to give a shout out to Adam Driver for his for his thing in, in, in Mirror's Story. And Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. I wasn't sure about him. Um, but before that, you know, I was kind of on the, oh, maybe we should have gotten Taron Egerton in here. Um, and people are saying Adam Sandler should have been in here. Um, I'm glad definitely that uh, Antonio Banderas made it in here. And somebody else, if they're going to kick somebody off for that, should have been. But that's how the Oscars go. So um, anyway, finally, the best picture. So I, you know, it's, this podcast is I think running a little bit long, so I'm not going to go through the his, historical like, no, no film has won the Oscar without winning. Like this percentage of films that have won this category ends up winning the Oscar. This film, like nothing has ever won the Oscar without being nominated for this award or for, or at least in this guild or whatever. Or they have won if they have gotten this one. Um, I will say so. 1917 is probably the clear front one at this point. Due to BAFTA, due to the PGA Awards, um, due to the DGA Awards. So 1917 has a lot going for it. Parasite is the underdog here. I think kind of the widespread support for it. You know, we got really close with Roma people are really hoping that Bong Joon-ho can become the first ever, like, you know, the first international film to ever win um, Best Picture. Um, is it the first? Uh, it would be at least definitely in modern times. It would be it'd be one of the few ones to ever do if it's if there's more than one. It won the Screen Actors Guild Award. It won the editing. Uh, it won the editing award. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited for Parasite. I really think that they hopefully will win more than just foreign language film. Um, more than one or two of the six awards that they're awarded. I hope they take home Best Picture. I'm going to be seeing it tomorrow night, or I guess when this podcast comes, I'll be seeing it tonight at the Lincoln Center in the black and white release. Um, pro tip, if you're in New York, they will be sorting it at the IFC Center at 9.15 every night, starting on Friday. So um, who knows if Parasite ends up winning the Oscar. Um, maybe you should go watch it again uh, in celebration at the IFC Center here in New York. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, that's my list for best uh, for my predictions. I'll I'll copy those into the show notes if you want to reference that for your own office Oscar pool. Um, hi guys for my for my office if you guys are listening to this. Um, so I'm gonna keep it quick for the wrap up. Uh, just because um you know this has been a long episode. I will say you know aside from these films which I've watched, um some shout outs to some other films that I've been watching. Um, you know. In the short films at the at the IFC Center, they also showed um, Henrietta Bolkowski, uh, The Bird and the Whale, Horse Piste, and Maestro as other animated films. Um, Horse Piste was super amusing. Um, you know, form of offense, excuse me, animation. Um, and The Bird and the Whale was super beautiful. It's done. It was done in the style of Loving Vincent, where each frame was a hand painted. I think oil painting. <laughs> oh, excuse me, hiccups. It's getting late. Um, so burning the whale, um, and then I also watched the documentary Ramen Heads, um, 
you know, I guess I've been in the ramen mood lately. Um, you know, the if you're in New York, actually, the New York Asian Film Fest, I'm not sponsored to say this, but the New York Asian Film Fest is going to be doing the Winter Showcase, and they have a bunch of films coming up. Um, you know, they have, uh, I'm looking forward to watching Tampopo, um, the ramen spaghetti western um, on Saturday. Um, Stephen Chow's God of Cookery uh, is going to be there, is going to be shown on Saturday as well. Um and eat and Ang Lee's uh, Eat Drink Man Woman is also on Saturday. So you know, if you're in New York, come check out the New York Asian Film Fest Winter Showcase and and come hungry. And you know, as I noted before, I'm also going to be watching Parasite Black and White at the Lincoln Theater uh, later today. So looking forward to that. Um, anyway, shout out to you if you have completed the Oscar Death Race. Uh, even if I didn't give out your name, shout out to people who are going crazy lengths, flying across the continent, flying to other cities, um, driving multiple hours, getting people, getting indie theaters to, you know, make new showings for films that they really want to do. Shout out to everyone who's handing out uh, streamers to people, helping them connect with Google Drive links. Um, shout out to you if you're, you know, so far from finishing the Oscar death race that you that you don't think you're going to be able to do it in time, but you're trying anyway, damn it. And shout out to you if you're really close. You know, you're almost there. Get over the finish line. Um, if you have any cool stories, let me know um, in the comment thread. Um, maybe if there's cool, enough cool stories, I'll, I'll do a feature next segment, or uh, next episode, which will be the last episode. Um, shout out to, and thanks to Slider Sonomer 3 for their Oscar Death Race tracking seat. Um, just made this community, this whole definitely feel like community. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, you know, definitely come check out the Oscars Death Race subreddit. Shout out also to the Oscar race and movie subreddit for, you know, more discussion about the Oscar race in general. Um, make sure you give this podcast a listen to on, uh, Apple iTunes, Google play, um, you know, uh, Spotify. Um, you can follow me on, on Louderboxd. Um, if you're interested, that's in the show notes. Um, and also thanks to Gold Derby uh, for you know helping me keep track of, of what's most likely to win, and we'll see how things work out come Sunday. So good luck to everyone finishing up your Oscar death race. Um, this has been a Ninja, Ninja Boy Media production. Our intro and outro music is by Kevin MacLeod. You can see stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Um, and yeah, this has been the Oscar Death Race podcast, where it ain't over until the final credits roll. We're really close to the end of those credits. Um, so yeah, next week's going to be the final episode. Um, we'll talk about how my predictions panned out. We'll talk about who won, who didn't win. Did I actually end up finishing the, the Death Race? Cool stories people have. And, you know, that'll be the end of the Oscar Death Race podcast. But we'll see if there's another movie podcast. I have a couple ideas for some stuff that, that I might want to do. Um, maybe something about box office results that might be weekly um i'm thinking about doing a better know a director or better know a franchise where i kind of watch multiple films by the same director or or all the films in the franchise and give my thoughts on it i'm thinking about maybe doing makoto Shinkai or bong joon ho early for that one and then you know with the new fast nine film coming out this year i've never seen the fast and furious movies so maybe watch all of those uh, same with the new bond film coming out Maybe try to watch all of those. Maybe watch Chris, uh, Chris Tennant's film. Um, that might, that uh, Christopher Nolan's film for Tennant coming out this year. Um, who knows? I mean, this looks like it be a great year for movies. I'm way ahead of my goal for 100 movies for the year thanks to this Oscars death race. Um, I'm rambling at this point, but whatever. If you're listening this long, thanks to you. Shout out to you. Um, yeah, if you have any ideas for what uh, po- movie podcast I should do after the Oscar death race podcast is complete, let me know. Um, anyway, 
uh, signing off. Uh, good luck with the death race, and I'll catch you next week. Uh, this time, I promise it'll be on time because um, there'll be no more movies for me to try to catch up on. So, uh, till then, have a good one. Keep it funky, guys. Bye. Thank you.